0: This morning's reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, and it's just the two verses, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we live in a world which so often prizes and looks to things that are new and novel and different. So often the world is excited by the next thing around the corner. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning to not to look forward to the new thing, but to rejoice in what has already gone. Help us to be firmly rooted and planted this morning, I pray, in the message of Christ. May this be a rock that we can stand on this week and beyond. We pray this for your glory. Amen. One of my great frustrations about going to school as I was growing up, uh, besides having to do homework and besides standing at a bus stop every morning in the freezing Scottish winters, uh, one of my great frustrations was the fact that as I went through the school years, it seemed as if I would invest huge amounts of my energies learning about a particular subject or topic one year, and then I'd come back after the summer and be told that actually all the stuff that I learned last year, well, that was kind of true but not actually the full picture and, and actually this coming year we learn the, the real truth, the real reality. Uh, so for example, in chemistry I spent a long, long time working out that a piece of wood it wasn't just a piece of wood, it was in fact uh, full of little atoms, millions of little atoms. Then the next year I was told actually it's, <laughs> it's not really just atoms, actually there, there are neutrons and, and protons and electrons and uh, understood that. And then the next year, I was, actually, they're not really protons and neutrons. They're actually stuff like quarks or whatever. And and then it goes on and on and on. You see, that we constantly find that uh, we might know something vaguely or or a little bit. But we'll keep being told, actually, that there's more you need to know. There's there's new things you have to engage with. That was certainly my experience at school and beyond. And that's true often in life, isn't it, for each of us in different areas. We think that we know something. Then we're told, actually, there's more to, to know. There's a greater depth to explore. And I think something similar was happening to the church at Colossae. Uh, Colossians is written to um, a young church, a church who have wonderfully accepted the, the gospel about Jesus Christ. Uh, they are uh, established as Christians. They are, they are following Christ. But there are people who are now saying to the Colossians, "Well, that's all very well. You've you've accepted the gospel. That's that's great. That's that's the sort of primary school version. But now I need to tell you about this sort of secondary school version of 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 real spirituality. The gospel is great for a while for for the young ones. But now let's let's move on to a more mature spirituality, a more grown up and sophisticated version." And so they were saying to these young and I guess vulnerable Colossians, you have to move on. If you want to really go for it spiritually and discover the real heights, you've got to go beyond Christ and the gospel. And so Paul writes this wonderful letter to this young and I guess vulnerable church. And in many ways, his summary of the whole letter is this. Christ is sufficient, or or, or the gospel, the news of Christ, that that is all you need. He is the sufficiency for your life. I've got uh, just three quick points to unpack what that means for us, uh, for the Colossians and for us sitting here today. So the gospel is sufficient. First of all, don't go on from it. So he writes uh, in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. It's a great summary of the letter. Uh, Paul's just been explaining in the chapter 1 exactly what this message about Christ Jesus as Lord is. He's talked about how Christ is Lord over creation. He is Lord over every power and authority. He is Lord even over salvation, and these Colossian Christians have accepted this news about Christ Jesus as Lord, almost like a runner in a race would accept the baton from the previous runner. They, they've taken this good deposit, this message, they, they've accepted it and they've run with it. They've received, um, if you like, the gospel about Jesus Christ. And now Paul says, Don't go on from it. You've got all you need in Christ. And I think there are various ways that we can be tempted to go on from this message about Christ, the gospel. I think one pressure on us can be from other people. So we live in a very sophisticated and thought-through place here in Oxford. And uh, people can tell us academically, oh, you know, you, you need to grow up in your... Understanding of the world and how things work, and we can be bombarded by different worldviews telling us that the gospel is foolishness and not enough. Maybe people at school or at work uh, find the gospel to be silly, foolish, incomprehensible. I remember um, when I was going through my selection process to become ordained. In the Church of England, I met many wonderful and helpful people along the way. But I can remember one particular interview I had with one particular person. And I was asked to outline my understanding of the gospel, just to give a gospel summary. And I gave uh, a short and I hope clear summary, which I think was faithful to Colossians 1. And the person listened to me. who was an ordained um, minister herself. She listened to it. And as I finished, this look of, of sort of wisdom passed over her eyes and a sense of sort of knowingness and she said to me, you have a very naive view of the gospel, a very immature view, you need to grow up, you need to discover more about the world and about life and you'll realize that you have a, it's too simple, it's too clear cut, it's too tidy and actually you'll discover that actually the world's complicated and your view of the gospel just isn't deep enough, it's not right there was real pressure from other people to move on from the, the good deposit, the message about Christ Jesus as Lord. And I'm sure each one of us have felt that pressure from outside, from other people. But Paul says, no. The gospel is sufficient. The basic yet wonderful message of Christ as Lord over creation, over every ruler and authority, and over our salvation, that is all we need. Don't go on from it. I think another way that we can be tempted to go on from the gospel is forgetfulness. Not pressure from outside, but just sheer forgetfulness within our own hearts. I was uh, tidying up some files on my computer recently and I was just sorting the different icons around and I stumbled across a file labeled holiday pictures, which I hadn't opened for months and months. And I clicked on it and I opened up this lovely file full of photographs from a holiday a couple of years ago that I hadn't looked at for two years. and I, I'd sort of forgotten about this wonderful holiday. And I had a, a nice few minutes just flicking back over those holiday photographs. It was lovely, yeah, a, a wonderful holiday a few years ago. But to be honest, I hadn't really looked at those pictures for two years. I, I'd sort of forgotten about them. And I think in many ways, the gospel can become a, a folder on our desktop, sort of tucked away. Uh, it's something that we, we cherish. We, you know, we want to keep it there. It's, it's part of us, but we don't click on the folder very often. It's just tucked there, sitting there on our desktop. And Paul says, the gospel is sufficient, so don't go on from it. You, we've got to live in it. Actually, the, 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 the original in verse 7 talks about um, continuing to walk in Christ, to, to make Christ the, the context in which we walk every step of our lives. And we mustn't view the gospel as some past event which was great when we first became Christians. No, that The gospel is a, a reality which affects every day of our lives now that we mustn't forget about and push to one side. So that's Paul's first encouragement to these young Colossians. The gospel is sufficient. Don't go on from it. But I guess the question then becomes, well, what does it look like day in, day out to be a person who doesn't move on from the gospel? How do I know in my own life and heart if I'm actually doing the right thing with the gospel in my life? And and that is what Paul goes on to talk about next. So what does a life look like? That has lived sticking with the gospel. And that's our second point. Paul says, The gospel is sufficient. Therefore, keep growing in it. Our verses again. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Verse 7: Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. In other words, the gospel is sufficient, we mustn't move on from it, but it's not a static place to be. We actually need to, to do something with the gospel, and that is to, to grow. We need to grow with the gospel. Uh, back home at my parents' house up in Scotland, there's a, a lovely country park just a few miles away from where they, they live. And every time I go up to visit, we try to go for a walk there. It's just a lovely place with lakes and trees, and it's just a lovely view and I've got many happy memories of, of walking around the forest trails in that park. But this last Christmas, we were up um, for a holiday, and we again went for our, our normal walk around the forest trails. And I saw a scene which, which actually took my breath away. It shocked me. As I rounded a corner uh, and looked out across the, the hillside, I, I saw literally hundreds of trees that had toppled over one after another. They were lying there on their sides, and you could see their roots sticking up in the air. Hundreds of trees. It was quite a, quite a shocking picture, really. Um, i have been there many, many times over many decades, and now, suddenly, this whole scene had been transformed. There had been a great storm in the autumn and uh, high winds, and the trees that did not have sufficient roots were the ones that blew over, and the trees that had good roots remained standing. I'm told that for a tree to be healthy, that the um, the root system below the soil needs to be roughly as big as the canopy above the soil, you know, that the branches and leaves need to be mirrored by the reality below ground, if a tree is to survive the storms and be healthy. But it's clear that when the storms did come, there were some trees that were not healthy, that had not put their roots down, and they toppled in the wind. And of course, the thing about roots is that you can't see them. They grow beneath the surface, quietly, unnoticed, and yet they are critical to the life of the tree. And Paul takes that metaphor of of roots and growth, and he applies it to the Christian, and he says, we need to be people who are growing our roots into the message of Christ We need to be embedding ourselves in an increasing way into the gospel. And the fact is, I can't stand here this morning and look out and tell whether you're doing that or not. I can't see from this perspective whether you are putting your roots into Christ day by day or whether you are neglecting that process. It is a hidden reality. It happens beneath the surface. And only you will know before the Lord whether you are growing your roots in Christ. What does it look like to be a Christian who daily roots their lives in the gospel, who, who is strengthened in the faith and, and is able to grow and bear fruit? What does that look like? Well, one commentator put it this way, which I think is helpful. Uh, he said, it would mean that we understand more and more about the consequences of the gospel in our lives. I think that's helpful, isn't it? Understanding more and more about the consequences of the gospel in our lives. So let's just think, what would that mean for our work if we are understanding the consequences of the gospel in our work? I think it might mean that as we drive to the office in the morning and as we think about the pressures and challenges coming our way in that day, it would mean that we apply the gospel to those challenges and pressures. It might mean saying that actually if um, we don't do a good job in the office and we fail to deliver what we hope to deliver, that our identity does not depend on our performance at work. No, our identity is found at the foot of the cross in the message of the gospel. So if our day doesn't go the way we hope it goes, we're not crushed and thrown if actually our day goes really well and actually we hit the deadlines and we work as we hope to work, the gospel tells us we don't become proud because our identity is found at the foot of the cross. A Christian who is learning to put their roots into the gospel will be a Christian who thinks about how the gospel affects their everyday lives, affects how they view work. What about at home? To think through the consequences of the gospel at home would mean lots of things. It would certainly mean that we rethink how we do our family relationships. It means that we have a new impetus to forgive others when they are being difficult to love. That the gospel means that we are patient even if others are being annoying and difficult and frustrating. The gospel gives us a new wealth of resources and motivations and Help to be the kind of people Christ wants us to be at home, but we cannot do that if our roots are not digging deeper day by day into the gospel. It, it, the, we can't we can't be the people we need to be at home without that root system. What about our possessions, the material things that we own, our money? When push comes to shove, do we find more security? On Monday morning, in the size of our bank account, or in the knowledge that through the gospel we have been redeemed and saved and we have a certain future. Push comes to shove. Where do we find our security? Paul says the gospel is sufficient, it is not just a past event, it is a sufficient reality for us today. Therefore, we must keep growing in it. and the challenge for us today is we have private business to do with Christ. We have roots to put down. it 'll mean spending time with, with the scriptures with christ. it 'll mean spending time praying on our own with Christ. There is, there is no bypass that I know of in the Christian life to putting our roots down in Christ. then those Daily disciplines, equipping ourselves to think rightly about our families and our jobs and our relationships and our possessions. The gospel is sufficient. Keep growing in it. And finally, as we finish, the gospel is sufficient. Be grateful for it. The story is told of two men who were out for a walk in the countryside and they entered a particular field thinking that they were on their own in this field. But as they walked across the center of the field, they discovered they were they were not on their own. They, in fact, shared the field with a rather angry bull with big horns. And uh, the bull spotted the men and started charging after the two men. And they started to run towards the nearest fence to escape. And as they ran, it became clear the bull was actually very quick. And there was going to be a very tight thing about whether they'd make the fence in time or not. And so the, the first man cried out to the second man, Quick, if, if You've got to pray. You know, we're really struggling here. And the, first, the second man shouted back, I don't pray. I, I, I don't know how to pray. I have no idea what to say. And so they kept running, hoping they could make it on their own. But as they got closer to the fence, it became clear the bull was just too fast. The horns were getting closer and closer. And again, the first man cried out, Look, it, you've got to pray. We're, we're desperate here. And the second man, in desperation, blurted out, Lord, for what we are about to receive make us truly grateful. (laughs) There is, of course, a certain way of praying, which is formulaic, which doesn't engage the heart and the mind. It just sort of pops out. It doesn't really engage us as people. Maybe we are used to the habit of saying thanks for our dinner before we eat it. Or maybe if we go on 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 a long journey, we might, thank God for arriving safely, and that's good. But the kind of thankfulness Paul mentions at the end of verse seven, overflowing with thankfulness, is not the kind of sort of pat answer you roll out without thinking about it. No, this is a a whole person, a whole being sense of, of gratitude and thankfulness for Christ. This is something which consumes our minds and our hearts. It is part of us. And, and Paul is saying, I think this morning, that's one, one of the great tests for each one of us. If we want to find out if we are putting our roots into Christ, if we are really grounding our faith in the gospel, one of the, the great tests for each one of us is whether we are thankful. I'm not saying this morning that we have to rush home and summon up with great energy an answer to a thankfulness through sheer willpower. I'm not, I'm not trying to lay a burden on you this morning. I'm, I'm giving you a, a, a test to take home, just to weigh up your hearts and be honest with yourselves. Looking back over this week, this month, this year, has there been a persistent overflow of thankfulness to Christ now, I know that circumstances can be difficult, and, and, and Paul went through great trials in his life. I'm not talking about a glib, superficial kind of thankfulness. I know life can be difficult, but in the storms and trials of life, I do believe a Christian who's finding their, their sustenance and joy in Christ is a Christian who does overflow in thankfulness to God. You see, if we really do believe that our identity and our security and our status and our future and our relationships and our sense of being loved is founded not on our performance and our ability, but is founded purely on the work of Christ, then that is a reason to be thankful. But it's when we try to take over that job ourselves and earn our status and our identity and our worth ourselves, that's when we lose joy in the gospel. And so we have this wonderful test for us this morning. The gospel is sufficient. Be grateful for it. So as we head back today for whatever our day holds for us, do, do grab a moment on your own, maybe with the family and just ask yourself as a family, as a person, what is my heart like? Have I been thankful? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the sufficiency of Christ, that he is all that we need not just in the past, not just for our future, but also here now in the present. Father, I pray for those of us who have come today feeling particularly broken or hard-pressed, that the reality of the gospel will bring us respite and joy and freedom as we drink afresh of the truth that Christ has won for us A salvation that can never be taken away. We pray this for your glory. Amen.